Act Two of Lady Huntsworth's Experiment by R. C. Carton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two. Scene the vicarage kitchen according to plan. Time evening. As curtain rises, cook takes salmon to larder. R U E and returns to table down left with fruit salad. Gandhi enters with butler's tray, crosses to right of table. Keziah enters and takes ham to larder and returns to dresser. Sweets cook. Quite ready. Clearing tray of chicken dish and plates. They seem to have taken very kindly to the stuffed fowls. Oh, awful. There's hardly a gizzard left for us to make supper of. Dorbiston's the worst. Keziah at dresser. Oh, and master too. Takes plates. I thought he'd have bust himself. I did really. Crosses to top of Gandhi. Places plates on butler's tray. They told me to look sharp. It's wonderful they don't want a rest. Caroline holds up dish of fruit salad. Gandhi takes dish in both hands admiringly, then lets cook put it on tray. So that's it, cook. It looks lovely. Glad you like it. Gandhi takes up tray. It ain't no good me liking it. I shan't get none. They'll see to that. Moves to right. Keziah moves to follow him. Keziah, don't you come. You'll never wait at table. Your mind can't rise above handing bread when nobody wants it. She returns to top of table. He carries tray to door right, then pauses. It do look lovely. Let's pray to heaven they don't eat it all. He goes out. Cook crosses to larder with chicken and back round top down to left. Keziah at top of table clearing. Gandy's a bit narked tonight. Rubs knives with a piece of rag. When there's a bit of anything extra for supper, he does grudge it to him, don't he? Now with me it's, as you may say, different. If any trifle takes me fancy, such as a breast of chicken, or what not, while it's being carved, I simply turn me head away. Caroline left of table arranging plates. Take these plates into the scullery. Yes, cook. Not as it always answers. Cook crosses to larder with salad dish. I was added that sauce stuff. I forgot what you call it, cook. Mayonnaise. At larder crosses back to left of table and begins to put radishes in bowl into glass dish. Yes, cook, that was it, in a butter boat. Well, I was anding it to old madam as the captain cut himself off. Oh, such a slice of am. I dote on am. I do, really. Well, I had to sheet my eyes, and just then Gandy hustled me with his elbow, and me wrist turned, as you may say, sudden-like, and I upset the mayonnaise onto my lady's gown. She did talk to me a treat. Takes fish plates to scullery. Gandy enters hastily, stands centre. Now then, Keziah, 
one claret glass short that's your silly fault keziah crosses to dresser gets glass and hands it to gandy right then returns to dresser for plates do they seem to fancy the fruit salad fancy it dorberston and the governor are both into their second helpings it's idiots to see em idiots keziah at dresser i shall be awful late with me washin up crosses to window with plates i shall miss a good half of it caroline crosses to larder for cheese i'll wash the glass and silver for you keziah crosses to top of table and takes chicken plates to scullery leaving four forks on table that's wonderful good of you cook it is really do you know i'm in two minds which at to where are you crosses from larder to table right with cheese places it at top of table keziah fingering top of chair left the straw is tasty but the large at with the flowers is more dressy like i wouldn't wear the large one with the flowers returning to larder for butter wouldn't you now caroline stops on her way to larder centre it might have been made in the old kent road might it now is that in london sits left yes crosses to right of table with butter and stands at the head at the shop where i bought it they told me as it was copied from a london pattern so i day see you're right cook well i could wear the straw but gandy enters with tray keziah rises crosses to window ledge for cheese plates gandy speaking sadly now then cheese cheese cookies at top of table clearing butler's tray i see they've finished the fruit salad finished it of course they've finished it it's not breaking put the dish away and let me try to forget it keziah comes down to table left as the governor still been going it putting cheese plates on butler's tray cook places cheese and butter on butler's tray i should think he had uh, and it will pay him out this night's work will lie heavy on him i know his constitution ready cook a bit of that cheddar all round might just settle em cook takes fruit dish to larder keziah crosses to top of table and puts radishes on butler's tray gandy hurries out as i was saying cook calls as i was saying i could wear the straw only i'm wishful to look me best cause the young gentleman as i'm walking out with that present'll be there oh crosses to right of table takes cloth out of drawer and back to centre we shan't be able to sit together cause of old madam i don't allow no followers she said when i come after the place i don't allow no followers you know er sniffy way keziah takes plates to scullery leaving spoons on table caroline puts cloth on table crosses to mantle and gets matches off bracket what does your young gentleman do when he isn't following didn't i tell you comes back to table he's at bilkins sits on table right the pork butchers you remember that pound of sausages that came from me aunt 
at Cambridge. Cook nods. That was him. He began with sausages. Cook lights gas over stove left. Next comes along a photograph frame. Last week, pig's feet and a shell pin cushion. He's free-handed, as you may say. He must be. Crosses to right. Won't you be feeling lonesome? Cook lights gas right and leaves matchbox on dresser. This evening? All of us out and Gandy going to see his mother. She lives two stations down the line and used to take in washing. No, I don't fancy I shall feel lonesome. I'll... Jumps off table, comes round and sits on chair right and gets book out of drawer. Lend you my girl's special monthly journal. There's a most interesting tale in this number. It's an air. There's an earl, and he goes riding through a wood, and he's all dressed up in armor, you know, just like the dish covers. Cook crosses to window, gets knife basket, and comes down to top of table. I say, Cook, when you lived in London, did you ever see any earls? One or two. And do they dress themselves up like that? Not as a rule. Cleaning spoons and putting them in basket. My word, I wish I'd been born a toff. They must find life come easy. Caroline at top of table. Not always. Trouble is like a postman. Sooner or later he knocks at every door. Why, they can eat and drink just what they like. No. After a time their doctors have a word to say. And they can wear just what suits them. They wear whatever their dressmakers and tailors tell them to wear, whether it suits them or not. It generally doesn't. Anyhow, they don't have to pay for their breakages. In the long run, they pay just as heavily for their breakages as you do for yours. Crosses and replaces basket on window ledge and comes down left. My word, think of that now. Gandhi enters and puts down tray on table. Kaziah jumps up and crosses to head of table. That's over. Sits. I'm fair sick of it. The governor is rushing on to his fate. Cook takes off the bread, cheese and glasses and puts them on lower end of table. Kaziah takes up cheese plates, knives, butter and radish dish, leaving the siphon, decanter of whiskey and one glass till the last. Took radishes with his cheese. Kaziah looks horrified. Kaziah, I have brought out the captain's whiskey and siphon. I shan't be here tonight, so you must take him up to his room the last thing. Do you hear? I hear. She takes whiskey, soda and glass to window ledge. I've done most of the clearing away. Cook takes cheese to larder. Caroline to Kaziah. Bring me the bowl, Kaziah, and then you can put your things on. Kaziah crosses to table takes butler's tray and places it against wall above meat jack, then goes to scullery for bowl, to Gandhi coming out of larder and crossing left. Will you have your supper now? Kaziah brings hot water to top of table, then takes glass radish dish and butter dish into larder. No, thank ye. They put me off it. I shall try to pick a bit by and by when I get to mother's. Caroline to Gandhi. Is your mother a good cook? Left of table. No, she ain't. Far from it. 
her joints are flabby and her pie-crust is ashfelt keziah coming out of larder is there anything more cook as i can do no thanks cook takes plates into scullery good night gandy crosses to door right not so much gandy mr gandy would do you more credit and might lead to a cap ribbon at christmas cook comes out of scullery takes large radish bowl and re-enters scullery it's hard on a respectable man to mix with such riff-raff riff-raff your own self why for two pins i'd keziah at scullery door crosses left again keziah meekly yes cook go and dress yes cook i'm sorry as i spoke hasty before you very well go along you'll be late yes cook she goes quietly to door right then turns and speaks very respectfully good night mr gandy she then goes out gandy cook takes bread to larder top way and returns round top left that's the worst of domestic service one has to put up with a cheek of hunderlings it ain't a fit life for such as us we're a good many cuts above it he rises well cook i shall have to change my coat so if you will excuse me certainly washing glasses but before i go to-night i should like half a word with you about a little matter which has been floating on the top of my mind for this month past won't it keep no it won't not if you was to put it in the refrigerator people change their minds sometimes i shan't change my mind well change your coat or you'll miss your train he moves towards the door as he does so lucy enters dressed for the evening but with cloak on cook i've come for my orchid crosses to centre i'll fetch it crosses to window lucy crosses to chair right of table gandy i thought you were going to see your mother to-night so i am miss i'm just off goes out right here it is crosses down right of lucy thanks shall i pin it in thanks cook arranges the flower what time to-morrow do you take the plunge oh quite early in the morning before anybody's up mr thorsby will fetch me i see why did you want to know so that i should think of you and wish you luck i don't see what reason you have to wish me luck you're a nice child and i was always fond of children dorverston comes in he is in evening dress with light overcoat and carries a small music case he doesn't see lucy at first i say cook i ah cook backs and he sees lucy i hello lucy well jack what do you want cook retires round top of table down left and resumes her glass washing i ah uh, i wanted to uh seeing orchid of course i came to fetch your orchid you needn't have troubled looks at cook i fetched it myself 
didn't know. Don't you know? Have you got my music? Got it here. Showing music case. That's right. Is Auntie ready? Fancy she's waiting in the hall. Crosses to right. Oh, then I must go. Crosses to right. Good night, Cook. Thanks for taking care of the flower. Not at all. Good night. Lucy turning at door. Are you coming, Jack? In a second. Thought perhaps Cook would give me a light. Takes out cigar case. Very well, we'll go on. You can catch us up. You needn't hurry. She goes out door right. Dorveston holding cigar. May I? There's a box of matches on the dresser. Dorveston crosses to dresser for matches, lights his cigar. She washes glass and silver. Dorveston crosses to top of table. This is a devilish snug kitchen, do you know? I'd much rather stop here and watch you doing whatever you were doing. What are you doing? Washing up. Washing glasses. Are you by George? Washing up now. How is that generally done? At top of table. With water and a tea cloth. It must be an awful fag. When it comes to work, seems to me you women beat us hollow. You have your drill and parade and fighting too in these days. Fighting ain't work. It's fun. Each to his trade. I prefer cooking and washing up. They both laugh. Oughtn't you to go? Yes, I'll get along, I say. You haven't forgotten? Nine-thirty? No, but I was hoping you had. Upon my soul, what I want to say won't take ten minutes. Hello, cigar's out. I'll just light up again, you don't mind. He goes to dresser for matches. Pillinger looks in at window. Cook? Yes? I just wish to say one word. He comes in at the back door. I wish. Closes door, takes off hat, and sees Dorveston, who has turned at the moment. God, dear me. Hello, sir. I imagined you had accompanied my sister and Lucy. They have started. Come in here and fetch the orchid. What orchid? The orchid. And I hadn't a match. And Lucy had got it already, don't you see? So Cook gave me one. And that's how it was, don't you know? Cook gave you an orchid? No, a light. Then why allude to an orchid? However, it is quite immaterial. You said you wished to speak to me, Mr. Pillinger? Pillinger coming a little to her. I wish to express my approval, my warm approval, of the excellent meal you gave us this evening. But I fear I have not sufficient time to do justice to the theme. Dorveston Wright. By George, sir, you did justice to the fruit salad? Very possibly, Captain Dorveston. But I may remind you that your own appreciation assumed a very practical form. Won't you both be rather late? They both look at each other and then go up to the door, Pillinger turning at garden door. 
I fear we shall. I may have to return early. I am conscious of the approach of a headache. Do you start thing? I feel a bit off colour. Don't if I shall manage to see it through. Tut, tut. You look singularly well. Merely fancy, I'm sure. Opens door. Good night, cook. Good night. Pillinger goes out at back door. Dorverston following. Good night, cook. Good night. Dorverston turning at door and speaking in whisper. Nine thirty. Cook nods. He goes out. After a second, Mr. Pillinger puts his head in at the window. Cook, you remember our appointment? Nine o'clock? Dorverston in the distance. Are you coming, sir? Pillinger to Dorverston. Yes, in one moment. To Cook. Nine, you quite understand? Caroline calmly. Quite. Thank you. I thought I would just recall it to your memory. I'm coming, Captain Dorberston. He goes. Cook continues her work. Gandhi enters right, is crossing to door, stops, comes to top of table right. He has changed his dress and carries a small handbag. He puts this down in his hat and hastily consults Silver Watch. Cook, I'm a little pressed for time. But I find I've just got three minutes and a half to waste. Well, what is it? Washing glasses left. I'll come straight to the point. I've saved money, I'm sick of service, and I want to settle down. I know of a little eating house to be had. Good situation, terms moderate, part cash down, remainder in monthly instalments. Will you marry me and take over the kitchen department? No. Gandhi, cook crosses to oven and kneels and opens it. Oh, don't be hasty now. We should crush all the local competition. Think it over careful. Looks at his watch again. I can give you a minute and a half. I'm a staid, respectable man, and I want a staid, respectable wife. Caroline, kneeling at oven left, looks over her shoulder. And do I strike you in that light? You do. That is a very unexpected compliment. Rises, places cake on table left. Gandhi comes down to chair right. Yes, cook. Since I met you, I've come to see things in life as I didn't suspect. Cook stops work. You've showed me the superiority of braised beef over boiled beef. You've rewheeled the difference between arecut and ash. Before you came, apple fritters was to me a mere flash in the frying pan. Suddenly stopping and looking at his watch. Now, I wouldn't hurry you, but time's on the move. As it to be? It's to be no. Oh. I wish the eating house every success, but I don't intend to marry. But couldn't you... No, I couldn't. Don't miss your train. Well... Takes up bag and hat. 
It's a disappointment, but if you say it's to be like that... It's to be like that. She resumes her work. Good night. Gandhi goes slowly upstage, pauses, turns, is about to speak, thinks better of it. Good night. He goes out at back door. Cook takes cake to larder and then crosses back to window, brings glass tray down to top of table and puts glasses on it. Keziah rushes in after a slight pause, hastily dressed for walking, with large hat trimmed lavishly with flowers. Ready at last, Cook. I'm always a cow's tail, ain't I? Thought I should never get into this dress. Miss Fletcher sent it home so tight. I can't hardly bear myself. And no ook and I at the neck, if you please. Crosses to Cook. Lend us a pin, there's a dear. Cook gives her one and stands watching her. Thanks. Crosses to looking glass on wall and fastens her collar with pin. I'll talk to me lady when I pay her. Turning sees Cook looking at her. You're looking at the at? Yes, I had to wear the big one. The straw didn't go with this dress. It made me look almost common-like. Well, I must step it. Goes up. You've forgotten your gloves. Got them in my pocket. Can't put them on yet. Me ends is too ought. Am I all right at the back? This skirt seems to kick up. Turns her back to Cook and kicks her foot up at the same time at back, looking over shoulder. Not more than it does in front. That's a blessing. Opens door. Airy war. She goes, leaving back door open. Cook takes glass tray to window, crosses and shuts door right. Crosses and takes bowl to scullery, pours out water and wipes her hands, gets plate basket, chimes strike three quarters, comes down left, puts spoons in basket, crosses to right and exit. There is a slight pause, then Crail looks in at window. He taps twice, then whistles softly. There is another slight pause, then Cook comes back and crosses centre. Crail at window. Oh, there you are. Anybody about? No. Come in, the door's open. Crosses to left, he enters. Well, I've got here. He stands leaning against the door. So I see. There's a beast of a dog somewhere on the premises, ain't there? Yes, but he's chained up, and he's rather particular about his food. You needn't be nervous. Crail slams door and crosses centre. Crail looking round kitchen. And these are your quarters, are they? You've brought your pigs to a nice market. She is silent. Well? Well? Why don't you speak? I was waiting for you to begin. Don't you feel the damned degradation of your position? No. You seem to forget I was your wife for nearly ten years. Ah. Have you, uh, any whiskey? No. Crail seen decanter on slab in window. Why, what's this? That belongs to Captain Dorveston. Oh, that's all right. Crosses to window. He knows me. He won't mind. Cook sits left. Crail stands at window, with whiskey, siphon, and glass in hand. A cook, that's what beats me. 
Why a cook? It was an experiment. If you were broke... Uh... Comes to top of table and pours out whiskey. Why didn't you try the stage? The divorce would have given you a leg up. How did you find me out? Accident. Takes a drink and crosses centre. I came down here because I thought your pal the Duchess might give me the straight tip as to your whereabouts. My spot in you was a bit of luck. You must be very hard up. Oh, it's been a rotten season. Nothing paid me. Had some big stable information for Doncaster Week. But they didn't pay me. Couldn't even win place money. Tried the stock exchange. Damned if that paid me. Jumped in at the top of the market. Crawled out at the bottom. Crosses to chair. Then there was the trial. Ah, I suppose the law expenses were heavy? Oh, devilish. Bribing the servants must have been a rather serious item. What do you mean? That was a most elaborate story my maid Thompson told the jury. Thompson was not very intelligent. It must have involved a great deal of careful rehearsal. We needn't go into all that. Puts glass on table. You were astonished to find me here. What did you think I should do? Thought you were with Carruthers. No, you didn't. He looks at her, tries to brave it out, but his eyes fall. You had been dangling your title before the eyes of a certain rich widow, but I see by the papers... He pours out whiskey. She has slipped through those shaking fingers of yours and is going to marry another man. Crayle, taking up glass nervously and drinking. Yes, women are damned shifty. Your notion didn't come off, but that was why you trumped up your case against me, knowing it was all a lie. You didn't deny it? No. Neither did he? No. Bob is a good fellow, and a good friend. He helped me. Helped you to cheat the law? Helped me to cheat the law that ties a woman to such a man as you. That was the game, was it? Why did you want to find me out? By the way... Crosses to window and brings down standard on top of table. Has that anything to do with it? How do you mean? Caroline watching him closely. Today's standard. There's a little advertisement in the agony column. I can't see. Uh, Light's bad. Uh, Read it out. Caroline crosses to gas left, takes paper and reads. Will Lady Huntworth communicate with Messrs. Brampton and Stokes, Capel Court, on a matter of considerable importance? Crosses to left of table and throws paper down. Did you know of that? No. Who are Brampton and Stokes? Never heard of them. Caroline leaning over table, with one hand on it for support. Then why have you been hunting me up? I hadn't a shilling. You saw to that. Crayle, after slight pause, makes to touch her hand. I wanted you to come back. What? I'm willing to bury the past. Cook looks at him. Well, I tell you, I want to bury the past. Caroline pours. She puts hand on chair. Before we talk of burying the past, I should like you to look down into the still open grave. Crayle shudders. Oh, filthy way of talking. Caroline sits left. When I married you, I was thirty, quite old enough to know better, but I'd spent my youth in nursing my father. When he died, I inherited a fortune, 
and my freedom, without much notion what to do with either. That was a bad year for me. I lost my father, and I found you. Crayle scowls at her. I don't know what crime I had committed that fate should sentence me to ten years' penal servitude. But my father had wished it, and so did your mother. You had been a little wild, they said, but all you needed was gentle guidance. I believed them, but my gentle guidance that was to work miracles generally took the shape of helping you up to bed in the small hours when the difficulty of adjusting the latch-key had been overcome. Look here. It appears to me you're trying to be offensive. That was my life for ten years. The dregs of your fortune and the whole of mine gradually melted away in cards. He pours out drink. Racing, drink, and a few extra establishments. You never grumbled about the extra establishments. Caroline rises in disgust. Oh, no. I only mention them now, to fill up the picture of our home life. With regard to your gambling and drunkenness, I was sorry for myself, but in the matter of your infidelities, I was sorry for the other women. Your language's fensive. Damn fensive. At the finish, we had a pleasant little chat. You hadn't a sixpence left, or a friend either, except Bob Carruthers. He had lent you more than he could afford, and he was sick of it. You tried to get me to ask him again. I wouldn't. It was on that occasion you reached up and tried to strike me. Touches him on shoulder. Do you remember? Momentary irritation. Regretted it directly. Caroline returns paper to window. We parted that night. The place was sold up, and I didn't hear of you again till you commenced proceedings for a divorce. He moves chair and faces her. Then I went to Bob. He offered to see me through, engage counsel and all that. It would have been easy to smash your case. Crosses and stands over him. But that would have left me tied to you. So I asked him if he would join me in making no defence. He pointed out what society would think of me. I said I knew enough of society to care nothing for its bad opinion. He did as I wished, so you got your degree nisi in the sympathy of the public. Crosses to top of table again. Oh, this is beastly offensive. Leans limply over back of chair. My only problem was how to live. I couldn't teach or make dresses or typewrite. There was only one thing I could do properly. I could cook. It was always a fad of mine. I used often to prepare little dishes for my father in the old days, and while I was trying to see my way, I met Millicent Sturton. I told her everything and asked her to help me. She had influence with these good people, so I resumed my own name and became the vicar's cook. Pause. Cook has gradually crossed left again. Crayle moves chair back to table and drinks. Now you understand everything. I'll say goodbye. I'm likely to be rather busy this evening. Don't say goodbye. I want you to come back. My intentions are disinterested. Won't you come back? Caroline stands with hands behind her back. Not while there's a crossing to be swept, or a box of matches to be sold. Crayle rising unsteadily, leaning over table. Suppose I was to... give the show away. Do you think they'd keep a woman like you? A woman who was notorious? No. Very well. Then I can squash you. Word from me'd sweep you into the gutter. And if you don't come back, I'll do it. I'll show you what comes of refusing disinterested offer. She laughs and shrugs her shoulders. Don't laugh at me, you fool. I'll do it. I'll drag you off your damned high horse. I'll... 
Oh! Raises his arm to strike her. No, you won't. Pauses. His arm slowly falls and he sways about limply. You're too anxious to keep your own identity secret just now to say anything about mine. Isn't that so, Mr. Crail? Crail swaying about. That's true. That's true. Let's be friends, shall we? Don't let's be touchy. If you'll come back, I'll do the right thing. Marry you again. Marry you anywhere you like. St. Paul's Cathedral, if you like. Come back and be a comfort to Aelin man. Sinks into chair. Let's have another honeymoon, shall we? Let's kiss and be friends. But first, let's have a little more whiskey. Taking whiskey. Shall we? Caroline removing the tumbler, etc. No, we won't have any more whiskey. In fact, I think we had better go now. She takes whiskey siphon and glass to window and looks out. Crail, who is now maudlin. Not friendly, nor resumption of former affectionate foot in the same time. No desire to remain. We're not wanted. Puts cap on. Where's cigar case? Want cigar? Smoke going home. He very sleepily takes out letter case from his outside pocket. Oh, here, Tish. As he holds it, he begins to doze. His arm falls its full length, and a letter falls out of case. His head falls right back, and he breathes heavily. He falls gradually into a deep sleep. She watches him quietly, then comes round to the right of him. Caroline pause. Wake up. Shakes him. You mustn't sleep here. Crail muttering. Want a cigar? Want a cigar? But this is your letter case. She takes it from him and puts it into his outside pocket right. She then sees the fallen letter. And you've dropped something. She picks it up, he snores. Looks like a writ. She glances at it. Messrs. Brampton and Stokes. She pauses and looks at him. Ah, my first idea was right. Crosses to gas with letter, round to fireplace and reads it under the gas. Messrs. Brampton and Stokes present their compliments to Lord Huntworth, and would be greatly obliged if he could place them in communication with the lady who is till very recently his wife. The reason for the application is urgent, as information has been received from an Australian firm of solicitors that Lady Huntworth has succeeded to a considerable fortune through the death of an uncle. She again turns and looks at him. Messrs. Brampton and Stokes would greatly appreciate an early reply. Capel Court, May 9th. More than two months ago. Ha! <laughs> Slight pause crosses to top of table and leans over it. Lord Huntworth, you will do me the favour to wake up. He snores. I thought I had said everything I had to say, but I find I was wrong. She stops and listens, then puts letter hurriedly inside her dress. What's that? Did I hear the gate go? Crosses to window, then crosses to Crail and shakes him and pulls him up. Wake up, you mustn't be found here. She pulls him up. What's the matter? I must put you somewhere. You wouldn't be easy to explain away. She half supports, half carries him up and into scullery. When there, she allows him to droop into a sitting position against the sink. She then shuts the scullery door. Quite like old times. Looks out of window, 
brings workbox down, goes up to door and listens. Mr. Pillinger enters. Um, a cook? At door. Yes? May I come in? Certainly. Crosses to chair right and sits, takes out pudding cloth and starts to hem it. Mr. Pillinger enters at back door. I, uh, <coughs> I explained to Miss Pillinger that I thought it advisable to return home early, as I was feeling somewhat indisposed. Caroline looks up at him. Then would you like to go to bed? I'll let Miss Pillinger in. Looks at door left. That is not necessary. I gave her my latch key. I fear I must admit my illness has no, um, <coughs> tangible existence. Oh. I trust I am not interrupting any, uh, <coughs> uh, domestic occupation? I have to hem some pudding cloths, but I can listen while I work. What do you want to say to me? She begins sewing. Pillinger crosses to top of table. Puts hat down. As he crosses, Cook looks at door left. I, um, find some difficulty in approaching the subject. It is one with which I have been hitherto quite unfamiliar. Perhaps if you sat down it might be easier. Uh, <coughs> uh, thank you. Crosses to fire and stands with back to it. The suggestion is very considerate. He makes several efforts to begin, but balks himself. Uh, during the few months you have been with us, you must have noticed that you had roused, in me, a strong feeling. She looks up at him. Of, uh, uh, of interest. I saw it. I didn't notice it. Exactly. Moves to back of chair. You would not um, care, uh, perhaps, to give me a somewhat larger measure of your uh, <coughs> confidence touching the, <coughs> uh, the past? Caroline stops work for a moment. No, I think we'll leave the past alone. I may possibly persuade you to be less reticent when I have submitted my, um, my proposal to you. Proposal? Resumes work. Yes. After such reasonable hesitation, as should precede the taking of any important step, I have decided to offer you an alternative to your present life, the nature of which you may have already guessed. Caroline smiling back. I suppose you are the alternative? Pillinger moves to top of table near her. Precisely. I ask you to be, um, to be my wife. Caroline smiles. Thanks. Stops work. I am no longer young, but my health is good, with the exception of a little periodic gout. My temper 
if not invariably equable, is what a long succession of curates has made it. And as to worldly considerations, without being a rich man, my position is an independent one. It ought to be. I beg your pardon? You say you don't speak without consideration. Have you considered what your sister would say? Pillinger moves round to left. It is a point to which I have devoted very exhaustive attention. At first, she might not welcome the idea with <coughs> um, absolute enthusiasm. Sits left. No, she might not. Have you also considered what the world would say? The world? It's rather a tolerant world where a man is concerned, but it holds special views about clergymen, and it wouldn't stand the notion of a vicar marrying his cook. The social disparity between us is far more apparent than real. Your present vocation must be the outcome of caprice or temporary necessity. Take it at that. Puts work in box. What do you know of me? I may be an adventuress. In fact, most of the evidence points that way. At any rate, I have no intention of marrying. Smiles. I have said the same thing once before this evening in reply to a similar proposition from Gandhi. Rises and crosses back of her chair and leans on chair. Gandhi? Did he dare? He did. Smiling. This seems to be rather a susceptible household. Crosses to window and looks out. Pillinger rising. You haven't given me a conclusive answer? Caroline hearing footsteps. Haven't I? I thought I had. Pillinger crosses to centre. You may require a little time for final reflection. I think not. Looking out of window. Nevertheless, if you will spare me your attention... One moment. I thought I heard a step on the path. She looks out of window. Yes, it's Captain Dorveston. Pillinger crosses to door and looks out, returns and takes hat from table. You don't say so. That is highly inconvenient. What had I better do? I think you had better go to bed. An opportunity like the present is so difficult to obtain. He will merely pass through to his room. I'll wait in the scullery. Makes for it. Caroline puts hand on door. The scullery is rather in confusion. Goes back to window and looks out. Then uh, the larder is probably available? Goes towards it. I really wouldn't wait if I were you. Pillinger speaking from entrance to larder. I do so on my own initiative. There are several arguments I wish to... Caroline at window. He's coming. Oh. Hastily goes in and closes larder door. Dorveston simultaneously enters at garden door. Well, cook, I've got back. May I come in? If you like. Drops down left, Dorveston enters and locks door after him. You needn't have locked the door. Don't you keep it locked? I do generally. It doesn't matter. 
sits left. The governor was seedy and left early. Yes, he came back. Gone to bed, I suppose. She is silent and has resumed her work. I tried to think of something a bit more novel, but I couldn't, so I had to tell the old lady I wasn't feeling fit myself. Why did you trouble? Dorverston crosses to top of table and puts hat down. Oh, well, don't you know, I wanted to say something to you. Yes. Stops work. I'm a bad hand at getting my notions into words. Perhaps if you go on doing whatever you were doing, I may manage to make a start. She resumes work. That ought to look exceptional pretty when it's finished. Do you think so? Yes. What is it? A pudding cloth. Jove, you don't say so. Laughs. I say, you mustn't think me an awful ass. It doesn't matter what I think. It matters to me. It oughtn't to matter. Pause. He takes up the weekly journal. Been doing a bit of reading? Sits on the table right corner. No, that belongs to Keziah. This sounds promising. The belted earl entered the lists with lance in rest. His shield bore for device a bar sinister with flirtily rampant. That ain't heraldry. Yes, it is. Looking up. Family heraldry. He laughs. I don't want to hurry you, but it's getting late. Dorverston rises. Well, I... I hope you haven't misunderstood my object in bothering you. I should like to think I had. I don't follow. Members of your profession don't generally make an appointment with Cook in order to assure her of their respect. Some of us may be a bit rackety, but we know a lady when we see one, and we shouldn't treat her any different because she chose to pretend to be a cook. Pretend? Dorverston crosses centre and gets gradually to chair right of table. Why, any duffer could see. I can see you were never meant to be what you are. These things generally come about through loss of coin. For instance, a woman's father speculates and the home goes biff. He shuts up in his stride and she takes up the running. Now what that woman wants is a friend to give her the lead over the fences. A friend who don't want anything from her. Will you keep your eye on that? Who don't want anything from her, but who would like awfully to do her a turn if she'd let him. I think that goes into the four corners of what I wanted to say. Sits. Caroline rising. Do you know you're a wonderfully good fellow? Oh, rot. Well, may I be a little used to somebody for, for once? I won't borrow money of you if you meant that. False pride. No, that isn't it. It's a devilish odd thing that every good woman is a bit of a coward, and she's always afraid of what people will say, especially if it isn't true. That description fits me less than any woman in the world. You won't let me be of use to you, because I happen to be a man, and you happen to be a woman, ain't that so? Rises. I see how it is. I've made an ass of myself. You won't have my help or my friendship. Caroline rises. I don't need the help, but I'll take the friendship. Thanks. 
Caroline shuts workbox. What I thought about you was wrong. I beg your pardon. Oh, that's all right. Caroline leans on box. Now, will you do me a little favour? Anything. Leans over table. Will you go to bed? He backs with surprise. They mustn't come back and find you here. Of course not. I'll go at once. And if at any time you should want a pal, you'll let me... Hush. Crosses to door and opens it. I fancy I heard the key in the front door. She listens. Yes, it is them. Miss Pillinger is saying she wants to speak to me. Dorverston takes up hat. By George, I'd better nip into the scullery. Crosses to scullery. No. The larder? Crosses to it. No, go into the garden. Of course. Stupid of me. He tries the door. Make haste. Can't get the beastly door open. Something is wrong with the key. You'll be too late. Advances towards him. Here. Opens door. What's this? Ah, the broom cupboard. Any port in a storm? Goes in. Cook shuts door and stands there for a moment. Miss Pillinger enters. Cook, I remembered I hadn't ordered tomorrow's breakfast. Crosses and sits right at table. No, what would you like? Crosses to top of table. Miss Pillinger sitting right of table. Has Keziah returned? Not yet. Both my brother and Captain Dorverston were too unwell to remain with us. They have doubtless gone to bed, so I will ask you to go upstairs very quietly. Certainly. I think I hear Keziah. She goes to back door. She is very late. Why don't you open the door? The key sticks a little. It should be oiled. Cook opens the door and admits Keziah, who doesn't see Miss Pillinger. Oh, Cook, I did enjoy myself a treat. He was there. And when I come out... Comes centre and sees Miss Pillinger. Oh, Lord. Keziah? Yes, Mum. Why are you so late? I don't know, Mum. Who is this person you spoke of when you came in? What person, Mum? You said distinctly, he was there. Oh, that was me sister's husband's brother, Mum. Winks at Cook. He's a plumber. And Church of England. You are aware I don't allow followers. You don't follow me, Mum? I did give him good evening, being, as you may say, relations. And he's told me as my sister, as just at her seventh, and both doing well, and... That will do. I hope you are telling the truth. Oh, yes, Mum. It's gorseful. It is really. Mind you go upstairs quietly. Your master is unwell. Yes, Mum. Goes to door again, winks at Cook. Good night, Mum. Good night. Keziah goes out. I'm afraid, Cook, you must have had a rather dull evening. No, I haven't been dull. Puts box on window ledge and returns. You are going to speak about the breakfast? Yes, let me see. We shall have fish. Noise in cupboard. What was that? I heard a noise in that cupboard. It may have been a mouse. I didn't know we had any mice. You'd better set a trap tomorrow. You mentioned fish? 
Will you have it grilled? No, fried with egg and breadcrumbs. Noise in cupboard is repeated more loudly. That can't be a mouse. The cat must have got shut up in there. The cat is in the scullery. Then it must be a strange cat. Rises and crosses to right centre. Caroline going to cupboard, her hand on knob. Strange cats sometimes fly at you. If you'll go, I'll see to it. I'm not nervous. Miss Pillinger advances to cupboard. Neither am I. I prefer to see for myself. Waves cook back. How this door sticks! She pulls at the handle of the door, which at last opens, discovering Dorverston. Captain Dorverston! He comes out sheepishly. Pause. May I ask you to explain this? Dorverston looks first at Miss Pillinger, then at Cook, takes his hat off. Well, ma'am, it ain't exactly easy to make the thing clear. I see. Speaking at Cook. The explanation is only too obvious. My niece has gone to her room, so I shall not disturb her tonight. But tomorrow it will be my painful duty to tell her everything. Moves a step to the door. I say, ma'am, just a moment. Miss Pillinger moves towards Cook and stops. As to you, Cook, I will, or rather Mr. Pillinger, will speak to you in the morning. Caroline smiling. Very well. At top of table, Miss Pillinger moves to go. Dorverston intercepts her. Look here, ma'am. Upon my soul, you must listen. I wanted to say something to Cook. It was nothing. Anybody might have heard it. Then why conceal yourself in the broom cupboard? I know the broom cupboard ain't easy to get out of. I could explain better. Only I feel in such an awful hat. You are not wearing your hat. No, but really, you know... I simply wanted... Captain Dorveston, don't trouble. Whatever you say, Miss Pillinger won't believe you. That is true. There are things that cannot be explained away. The broom cupboard is one of them. Going. But, I say, Mum. Moves again. Miss Pillinger motions him away. Good night, Captain Dorveston. He opens door, she goes out. Dorverston and Cook look at each other. She smiles. Dorverston, after pause. I've made a nice mess of it. You have, rather. Closes cupboard door, returns left. If nature allowed a fellow to kick himself, I'd do it with the greatest pleasure. Comes to right and puts hat down on table. To drag you into such a beastly muddle, and I did so want to do you a turn. I know you did. You meant kindly, and I'm very grateful. Go to bed and forget all about it. There'll be an awful row tomorrow. I'm not thinking of myself. I'm thinking about you. You needn't worry about me. Oddly enough, I've had news tonight that it makes this affair very unimportant. Now I must really ask you to go. All right, I'll be off. But I say, you do forgive me? Of course I forgive you. Thanks. Good night. Good night. He goes to door right, then returns to table for his hat. As he does so, Pillinger cautiously emerges from the larder. The two men face each other. Hmm. Tut, tut. 
cook turns and sits left hello sir were you in there ah uh, yes i um, uh, was what all the time i had an important reason for desiring a few minutes conversation with uh, <coughs> uh, cook mr pillinger shared your wish that i should better myself that's devilish lucky because as you were a witness you could clean the slate for us and back up what i say you fail to perceive that my perfectly innocent sojourn in the larder would be as difficult of plausible explanation as your own regrettable occupancy of the broom cupboard jove yes that's true what had we better do the first step especially as you are both invalids the men look at each other is for you to go to bed the suggestion is most judicious they both start for the door pillinger stops dorveston i think captain dorveston i will precede you by a few minutes the stairs have a tendency to creak and it would certainly do so under our combined weight good night good night sir pillinger is going but pauses with your permission i will remove my boots he does so it would not be fair to disturb the household good night he goes out with a boot in each hand and his hat under his arm dorveston crosses and sits right by george then the governor was there all the time yes i was well provided with chaperonage turns to mantle and puts gas out takes candlestick from bracket and crosses to window it don't get you out of the mess that's the worst of it caroline shutting the window and then crossing to larder you needn't mind me i'm bound to mind you are you sure there's nothing i could do to help you in any sort of way no shuts door her eye goes to scullery well there is one thing you could do for me if you really mean what you say i swear i do rises caroline crosses centre what i should want you to do would be rather a nuisance are you sure you wouldn't mind try me well there is a man in the scullery another man yes i fancy you'll find he is asleep against the sink is he by george might i trouble you to fetch him out crosses to dresser and lights candle eh what oh certainly he goes to scullery opens door and discovers crail asleep in a sitting position dorveston picks him up places him in a chair right of table there you are cook crosses with candle and light falls on crail's face why it's crail looks at cook yes he's as drunk as a fiddler yes he called on me this evening rather to my inconvenience did he might i ask you to put him somewhere for me dorveston looks at her wonderingly there's a dry ditch at the end of the garden that would do anything you wish of course thanks turns back gas out 
Then you know Crow? Yes. Turning to Dorverston. He was my husband at one time. Turns out gas. Dorverston in an amazed whisper. What? Good night. She goes out quietly at door right. The stage is now dark except the moonlight, which streams in a door. Dorverston stands transfixed with astonishment. Then he puts on his hat, goes up and opens the back door, returns, picks up Crail and carries him upstage. As he does so, the curtain falls. End of Act Two.